Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, as always, uh, and I'm a council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And as always, I talk to people from across the country, from Florida to Alaska, Hawaii to Maine, all points in between at all levels of elected office or to get people elected to office. And today, um, I'm going back to some place where I actually started some of my political career. Um, I spent time in Iowa and a little bit in Nebraska in 20 years ago, um, helping out with some candidates. And I think Nebraska is a really neat place. And I, I think that because, um, you know, it's if it wasn't for Nebraska, we wouldn't have the Affordable Care Act. And people might not realize that because we had Democratic Senator Ben Nelson, who to some people might be the the Joe Manchin of his time, but he delivered us this important legislation. And it shows that every election matters, and no state is all the way blue or all the way red. Maybe there's a couple. I don't know. Um, but I have someone here today who's going to talk about why Nebraska is a place people should be paying attention to, and hopefully, wherever you are, why you should run for office and be involved. Uh, her name is Precious McKesson. Precious is with the Nebraska Democratic Party, and she's had a lot of roles. We're going to talk about them. So, Precious, thanks for talking today. No, thank you so much for ha for having me. I really appreciate being able to talk to people across the nation of why it's important to run for office. Yeah, and so I started talking by email. You've had a lot of uh, roles in office, and I think people who don't People um, are biased towards every state, right? Like, I had someone from Ohio and someone from Michigan, so they're biased against each other no matter what. Um, but they don't realize, like, they would think, oh, they just would take whomever to run the Nebraska Democratic Party. Like, it's Nebraska, they'll blow it off. You know, tell me a little bit about your background in politics, because it's impressive. Okay. Well, um, again, my name is Precious McKesson. I'm the current executive director for the Nebraska Democratic Party. Um, as I was telling Tony earlier, my my um, background started in politics. Uh, my first campaign that I ever got to actually volunteer for was when Brenda Council ran for mayor in 1997. I was a senior in high school, and um, I got to experience that. She lost that race by about 800 votes, maybe less than that. And it was very heartbreaking because she would have been the first black woman to ever be elected mayor here in Omaha. Um, from there, kind of, you know, went, went my way, went to um, went to Alabama, really saw a different part of politics in Alabama, was very, you know, very like, wow, you have a lot of African-Americans, you know, in office in, in this one city, but then realizing that the demographics of that city was why, because of the, the population of African-Americans. Mm -hmm. um, so then I came back here to Nebraska, and when I came back to Nebraska, I got involved in nonprofits, but then I got especially involved in neighborhoods, and so I started to lead an organization called North Omaha Neighborhood Alliance. And during my time with that, we had access to the current mayor as well as elected officials. But my main focus was why wasn't why weren't people in the communities that we see um, black and brown communities? Why don't they vote? And I was really concerned. So I started before I even got involved with the, um, the NDP. I started going to the election commission website and started like pulling the data. I was like, man, no one shows up to vote. Like what's going on here? And so um, did that for some years, still still kind of, you know, still very involved so much involved with the, um, the neighborhood aspect. Um, and then in 2017, I went to work for Senator Justin Wayne in the state legislature. Um, there I was an urban affairs committee clerk. And so I was able to really see the nuts and bolts of what started to really how legislation really works on the state level how it works when you when you have a unicameral. We're very unique. We mm -hmm. have a unicameral. So um, everybody's there. Even though now we have 17 Dems there, but we want to keep that stronghold and add more to it so we can have that firewall to block any other bills that will come through that can impact communities. 
So I got to see a lot being in urban affairs and in the legislature. And then I was tapped by Chair Jane Klebb to come um, and be the constituency director for the Nebraska Democratic Party. Um, my main focus was, was, was to be a voice for the black and brown communities, make sure that we're getting out the vote, voter registration, making sure that we're really getting people engaged. And the one thing I told her um, when I did that, I was like, well, I just want you to know that um, when I was sitting down with her, I just met her, never met her before. And I said, I just want to joke, black people are not going to be, are no longer going to be the breaking case of emergency vote when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. And it was like, she had never heard that before. And I said, yes, it's like the fire alarm. When everything goes, y'all come, y'all break that, break it, pull, get the black vote, and then y'all leave. We can't do that anymore, especially in, in North Omaha and in, in, in Omaha. We can't just do it. So went to be the constituency director. We had some great turnout. Um, we had um, that year, I was able to bring in 16 paid canvassers um, that were black women. Mm -hmm. uh, they were some were teachers, some single moms, but they really got engaged and we started canvassing around the, the communities, going to different hotspots, just really getting people engaged and getting people excited. Um, and then from there, I was promoted to the finance director, um, which was the first um, because there had never been, I think I was actually the first African-American actually um, hired by the Nebraska Democratic Party. Maybe as a staffer, I think everybody else was like on leadership positions. Um, so then um, finance director. So I got my hands involved in how to raise the money. Then saying, OK, we're doing this. Um, Chair Club had created a Kenneth's a color fund and that Kenneth's a color fund basically was for what we raise money for Kenneth's of color to get them elected to office because we know that Kenneth's of color normally do not have the funds to be able to get um, different things for their for their campaign. Um, and then during that time, I became the Black Caucus chair. So I was like, my hand was in a lot of different things. Um, and then presidential election came around and I was tapped by the Biden by the Biden team to be the political director for Nebraska. Um, and everybody knows that I was during a pandemic. So I was the only one on the ground here in Nebraska. And so I really had to really uh, make strong relationships with our politicals, um, our, our, our elected officials our stakeholders and we won the blue dot. And if you look at it, we had the biggest swing from Trump to Biden mm -hmm. um, in, in the state. In I think actually one of the largest ones for CD two. And so um, I was blessed to be the elector, which I was already, I did not know what the elector consisted of. And so I became the elector in April of that year before I even became on, on the Biden team. And so um, I historically was the first black woman and woman to ever cast an electoral vote in the state of Nebraska. And it was an honor to do that for Biden and for um, and, um, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. And then I came back to the party after the, after the election was done, I came back to the party as a finance director. And then while I was doing this work, I was tapped to um, be a part of the administration. And so I was appointed as a political appointee and I was appointed to the Depart U.S. Department of Education. So I worked directly under Secretary Cardona. And my job was to um, help with his parent and family engagement piece um, and rebuilding those relationships. So I was able to travel uh, to different states to talk to um, community leaders, talk to educators, teachers, staff, students to really help them as we were trying to go back into the process of um, returning to school. Um, and then um, just this past March, I decided um, because I saw what was going on in the world um, you know, with, with attacks on our kids, you know, when we start having political people bully our children. And I was like, you know what? I really can't say much in the administration because I'm mm -hmm. really kind of locked and I can't really speak. And so um, I made a decision um, for my family. Um, I have a brother who's a quadriplegic that mm -hmm. I also take care of for the past 13 years. And I have a daughter who just started um, in college. 
And so I made the decision to come back to Nebraska. And during that time, the position for executive director came open and I had the blessing of the, um, of the state pardon and of the um, state central committee members to come back and run the state party. And so that's where I'm now back here. Yeah. And I think that people would be shocked at so many quote unquote liberal um, parties across the country who have never had a black person, male or female, running it. And they're like, oh, well, we are so much more advanced. And I think a lot of people, liberals as well, look down on too many states. And and um, they would be surprised that it was Nebraska who was leading versus many other states, including, um, you know, well, here in Pennsylvania, we're hoping to have um, a black woman run our state legislature, uh, Joanna McClinton, we're hoping for next year because of our elections. But, you know, a lot of states need to catch up. <laughs> yes, and it's, a, it's an honor to that. You know, I, I feel that um, it shows that my work and the work mm-hmm. that I've done um, is appreciated. It shows that um, I am a hard work, worker and dedicated to Nebraska Democrats and to the party and to making sure that we get Nebraska Democrats elected. So um, it was an honor for them to vote for me unanimously to be to lead the party. Now, you talk about Nebraska Democrats, and this is something that I, I think I really want to touch on is people uh, will think, well, as a Nebraska Democrat mean a certain kind of more conservative Democrat? Or does a Nebraska Democrat mean any kind of Democrat? Is there is there something, that, a, a, an issue that makes you guys stand out, you think, that you're like, oh, you have to soften your tone or you have to be this? Or how do you um, encourage and uh, gr- help grow uh, some of those people to be candidates to, uh, for Nebraska Democrats? I mean, we, we welcome all shades of blue. We mm-hmm. know that every shade of blue, there's different shades of blue. Mm-hmm. And we welcome every shades of blue. And we, we talk about the issues that are impacting Nebraskans every day. And that's how we that's how we lead on. I mean, there, we, we have some candidates. We'll, we'll, you'll have a candidate who may who might be pro-life. But that candidate, but that um, a candidate or elected official still still feel that there is a right to access for women access to have for women access to health care. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we're open. You know, we're open clear across the board, you know, everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to look at things in a different way because they, um, the, the way that they were brought up and the way they, their beliefs, but we are welcoming all shades of blue. That's how we look at it. And, you know, you brought up 2020, which is so important. If it wasn't for you and, you know, winning that one electoral vote in Nebraska, Joe Biden would have ended up with one less electoral vote than Donald Trump had gotten four years earlier. Uh, you know, what did you do to be successful uh, especially during a pandemic, how were you able to navigate that that process? Man, you know, um, I always I make this joke. I say I'm a part of the 306. Everybody was like, "What's the 306?" Is this how many electoral votes? But I mean, that night, I mean, we we I feel like Nebraska changed because it could have been any. It could have went any way if Arizona or uh, Michigan. It could have went any way, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what we did in that during that time, we really did a grassroots effort. We talked to everybody. We talked to Republicans. We 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 got on board with Republicans who supported Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. We reached out to everybody. We no one was um, untouched. You know, we made sure that our voices were heard. Um, and we just really just talked about the grassroots things, talked about the issues, made sure that people knew what Joe Biden stood for and really, um, used our, um, talked to our electeds. Our electeds were our stakeholders. They were our, they were the people who were on those Zoom calls. They was leading those calls. If we had, um, different surrogates came in, we made sure that people knew who, who was leading the efforts and who was looking at making sure that we were able to secure that electoral vote and talking to the voters and really, talking about the issues that are impacting them every day 
And so I think that's what we did best at. And even though we were during a pandemic, we held numerous Zooms. We had we had some in-person events where we had Dr. Biden. She came. We had um, second gentleman. Well, now second gentleman, um, Doug Imhoff. He came a few times. But we made sure that we talked about those issues and we talked about we talked to the families and made sure that everybody was involved. It wasn't just you wouldn't just see like, oh, it was just elected official. No. We went to businesses, small business owners. We went to daycare providers. Any subject that we were talking about, we made sure that that subject included someone from the community and someone who represented that area, not just someone who's an elected official. So we, it was really grassroots what we did. Yeah, and people have been talking, you know, Ronald Reagan, when he switched from Democrat to Republican, and I don't want to give him any credit necessarily, but he said, um, I didn't leave the party, the party left me. And it seems like there's a lot of Republic, business-minded Republicans, especially in a place like Omaha and that surrounding suburbs, who may feel the way, same way in reverse. Is that what you're seeing, that there are a lot of people who might consider themselves moderate, who would have voted for Republicans like George Bush, who now are just like, I can't be on that train anymore? I definitely see that. I definitely, definitely. Um, we had a lot of Republican, um, you know, like just the... Um, elected officials. I mean, who was like, we support Joe Biden. I mean, just people that I, you know, when, when they called, you know, like, Hey, we want to get on that Republican for Biden list. And I'm like, Oh, okay, well, let me get you on there. You know? Um, I think that people were just tired of what was going on and really want to change. And they saw, and, and I feel it also not only change, they have a respect for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has done so much um, in his career and he, and I, I always say, like, he is what bipartisan looks like. I mean, everybody knows how he was when he was a senator and what he's done. And so I think people have that respect. And I think that's why people did, you know, people were able to vote for him because of the respect and the, the leadership that he's brought to the table. And, and they are, they feel a true leader was there with him. Yeah. And that's obviously um, that evolution of the parties is changing even right now in 2022. Uh, we just had special elections this week um, in New York and other and elections in Florida as well. Um, but people were shocked at the elections in New York, special elections, where a Democrat won that was not expected to, and another election where a Democrat came much closer than expected. And a lot of people point to the recent decision by the Supreme Court to overturn women's right to an abortion. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think, and people will look at the at Nebraska and the Plain states and say, well, that might work in New York State, even upstate, but um, it won't be the same in Nebraska. Why are they wrong? They're very wrong. If you look at Patty Pansy Brooks, when she ran a special election um, just this past June, mm-hmm. um, she ran against Mike Flood. Um, Mike Flood, um, they, they were running a special election seat um, due to um, Fortenberry being, um, he was convicted of felony, he resigned. And so if you look at that, that was a complete swing. Like they're talking about it nationally now. You can look on anything that they're talking about. They're talking about Patty Pansy Brooks. She came close, and so now she's still running. They're still running again in November. So we, I, I'm confident it's going to be a change because number one, women are tired. Women are tired of, of the same people telling them what they should be doing with their bodies. We need people in there who say, you know what, we're fighting for you. And the, and right now, I think people, women don't feel that way. You see in New York, I mean. People came out and was like, look, we're we're tired. We want to make change. And looking at that um, the election, that really put Nebraska back in the spotlight because mm-hmm. we had the same type of special election. So um, I think people, people will be really um, surprised to see how it turns in November. And I'm really confident that Patty Pansy Brooks will be going to D.C. in November. And you say women are tired, and I agree. Look, I, I'm, I'm married, I could, I, and I think about you know how these issues would affect my wife. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have heard seeing polling, and you can tell me how you hear from your own voters and your own uh, candidates about how one of the biggest swings to to oppose Republicans and support Democrats now are actually dads and and men switching. Have you seen that as well? Where a lot of uh, especially fathers have said, you know, what well, I got to look out for my wife, uh, my daughter, etc. Yeah, I mean, we definitely. I mean, we have Tony Vargas who's running in CD two. Um, he he's a he's a dad, you know, and he talks about that. You know, mm-hmm. he talks about the rights that now his daughter will now have the like he's fighting for his daughter's rights, and I think that right there is a reality that you know men are seeing that fathers are seeing that like the, the conversations that they now have to have. They're like, wait a minute, my daughter's health care is now being taken from her, like telling her what she can and what she can't do. And I think I think that's the thing that fathers they love their daughters you know fathers love their daughters and they don't want their daughters to have to you know go through certain things and so i feel like now that those voters are swinging also because now the daughters are going to their dads like no dad you have to vote this way because i can't i can't do this and dads listen to their daughters you know they listen mm-hmm. they know that when their daughters speak up and and more and more young young women are looking at that you know are looking at what's going on and they're and they're talking about that and I think it's it's made uncomfortable conversations but I think dads are like you know what these are my kids and my kid my daughter is going through this and I have to speak up for her yeah and you talk about the you just mentioned your candidates and I can tell you have a big enthusiasm for the people who decided to run for office uh one thing I've noticed especially in um more purplish reddish states is uh, the candidates are different than they were when I first got in office 20 years ago, when I got, got involved 20 years ago. Uh, it feels like they're younger, especially, and more diverse, but definitely younger. Is that something that's happening in Nebraska? And how are you helping to kind of seed that ground? I mean, it's definitely, I mean, we're definitely seeing um, great candidates. We're seeing um, more um, progressive candidates running. I mean, I mean, you just, it's it's younger audience. You're seeing people of color you know, putting out there, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like when I remember I was approached and Hey, you should run for Congress. And I'm looking at them like, for real, like, you really want me to do this? Mm-hmm. Like do you, what my uphill battle is about to be as a black woman, <laughs> you know? So, but it's like, you know, it's that confidence and that excitement and that, you know, I, I shouldn't have doubted myself, but then you have to get people behind you. You have to get people to believe in, in what you're doing. And I think that's what, that's what we have currently in our two congressional candidates. Um, you know, we we have three congressional candidates running um, for for both all three districts, and so people believe, and they and that's what they they want to see change. They want to see a new um, a new breed. They want to see new people in office who aren't um, you could say career politicians. You know, people who are living everyday life experiences. And so I think that's what we have right now, and and I think that's why a lot of people. Um, that are currently in office are kind of scared, you know, because they're like, man, this is changing. This is not the same that you, like you said, you've seen 10, 15 years ago where you have legacies or dynasties or people who right. continue to run families, continue to, to they automatically, because their name, they can take that seat. People are now coming in saying, no, we need change and we need to be able to have a more diverse, um, especially of the population that we're talking about, because majority of the bills that are passed are impacting communities of color. And we don't have many people in, um, in the, in the Senate, or in Congress who are able, you know, to, who can really impact that, especially in Nebraska. So it's time for change to be able to um, see somebody new in office. Yeah, and we have that all over the country and, and all in it, especially on both parties. But, you know, we have some people who are legacy candidates where their parents had been in office. You have some people who have survived their own great-grandchildren, like right next door in, in Iowa with Chuck Grassley. And like, his son is in office and will probably take over for him for another 50 years or something, right? So. Yeah. Um, 
And I feel like, you know, national Democrats kind of go to those places and say, look, we need to win. We just need to be safe. Um, what's your response to that when they're like, we, we just got to get the safe candidate. We can build it later. And uh, how do you react to that as a party leader? As a party leader, I'm telling them it's no longer like we got to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have we have a say in who we want to run, um, especially when you have national um, national you know, leadership coming in to tell us how our, what our demographics look like. And, um, I mean, we're going to get some pushback, but we have to stand our ground. You know, mm-hmm. we can't, we can no longer let the national party or the national lead leadership tell us who should be representing us. That is not how it works. And so, um, I'm, I'm all for the new, new younger generation coming in. Um, we had a young man, Jazari call. He ran, um, in the, um, in the primary, um, he's um, a su- from Sudan and families from Sudan. Um, this young man had like so much excitement, you know, and, but he knew he, he understood that what he was up against, um, when it came to running, but he, but he kept going and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't want to discourage people say, Oh, well, no, just because, um, there's a, a, a someone who, who we know, who's ran and who has experience that I'm going to back down. No, he continued to go and he got people motivated and that's what we need to continue to do. So if you want to continue to do that, if someone is interested and they're upset about things in their community and they come to you and they say, precious, I'm not really happy with what's going on in my area. I'm a pretty liberal or um, moderate person. I consider myself a Democrat. Um, What would you, your advice, what would you tell them if someone came to you for the first time uh, and they said, I don't know what to do, but I got to do something. And, and you want to encourage people to run. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to talk to them and kind of like find out like what 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 is your key? What is your what is your mission? What mm-hmm. do you want to do? Um, but then also give them that sound advice and give them the real deal. Like, hey, just let you know if you're a person of color, it's going to be a little hard for you. Um, you're going to have to raise the money. You're going to have you're going to have a little bit a disadvantage, you know. But I need you to stay positive in that and um, really just give them the resources and. Here in the Rice Democratic Party, one thing that we do when we have a dim on dim race in the primary, we remain neutral. Mm-hmm. Both those candidates get the same resources. And so giving them all the resources, you know, don't discourage them. I don't want to discourage anybody from running, but I'm going to tell them the honest, the honest truth of what it what comes with it. Um, and then hopefully they'll make that decision. But I always want to be a great supportive. I'll never tell someone not to run. That, that I, I would be doing myself a disservice when I say don't run. No, if you run, you run with your passion. You run, you talk about the issues that are impacting you, and you make a you make your a name for yourself. Yeah, you know, with that, I'm thinking about because I'm from Western PA originally, and there are as they call them online ancestral Democrats. So there are counties that when I was a kid and you were the same similar age, those counties would have voted Democrat without even thinking about who was on the ballot, but it would have been a pretty conservative Democrat, possibly. And now they are very, um, they're very Republican counties. Um, but those parties were kind of older in thinking, not just age, but older in thinking. And so, but now I see that the cultures of even those parties are changing. Do, do you see the culture of your party changing even in Nebraska? Oh, yeah, for the Nebraska Democratic Party, definitely. I mean, we have, we, we're seeing um, our rural communities, we are seeing our, our communities of color are being a part of the party. I mean, we're seeing so many new. Um, young people come into part of the party. Um, and that's the thing. I love it. But then you look at when people are voting, people are voting according to people with issues or based on their issues. Um, they're really like, they're into it. They want to see, they want to see someone new. And I think that's what's happening like here where we're starting to see people like, you know, sometimes they're like, well, 
you know, you'll have some people like, you know what, I voted Republican last time, but I sure do like what you're, I do like what's going on. I'm going to go, I'm going to vote Democrat this time. Mm -hmm. People are doing that, you know, and then you have some Democrats who be like, well, mm, I don't know. I'm not happy with this, so I'm going to vote Republican. You know, it, it, it comes with it comes with the territory. But I think when you start to see more people invested in more candidates that are looking like um, what the culture looks like and what with the demographics, you know, and you're starting to see younger people, middle class, you know, working parents, working mom or dad. You start to see the change. And I think we're starting to see that shift here in Nebraska, especially in Omaha. You know, one of those cultures that you're making me think of is a culture of kind of fun. Um, you know, that's something where I think that even though I did not like him, um, Donald Trump was kind of pushing for some of his things to seem more fun to some people who were kind of new to politics. Barack Obama did that. And, um, you know, and not, not to take away from other candidates, but, you know, you saw some people who did that and some didn't. How, do you think fun, fun for a party a campaign... Is that important for candidates and people to, to see like, well, this is the this is the place to be? Yeah, I mean, you want people to, to, to be to be relatable. You want people to understand that it's just not just, you know, it's not just this like just strong. I, I say the strong face, just only politics, you know, mm -hmm. um, Barack Obama made us believe, you know, he made us excited about, you know, getting out there. He 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 brought in a different thing where. You know, you see them all, you know, some of them bring their music, but now you see them all like really getting in tune with people, you know, participating in, in things they never would have done. You know, um, now you're seeing candidates on TikTok, you know, you're starting to see candidates, um, Facebook lives, you know, like doing different things. And so I think it, it is necessary so people can see that, you know, politics is not just the hard thing. It is fun and fun in politics because we are making change. You know, I think that candidates being on TikTok is important because I, I follow like Kentucky, Kate Turner, who's on TikTok, Kate for Kentucky. She's not listening to this probably, but maybe it'll get a little bit of a reaction. But her and Jess Piper in Missouri and a few other places, they're talking about what the politics are like in very red states and why people should. So they're taking these kind of issues that people would not imagine and make taking them national. Um, I follow Megan Hunt from Nebraska. I think she's a national voice that needs more recognition in general. Um, do you, how important do you think that is using a social platform in a redder state like Nebraska, not like Missouri, but how important is that to kind of take those issues so people like me in Philadelphia might be aware of it? It's very important because if you look at our Twitter, I mean, like our Twitter people, I mean, we, we go, I, I say, I don't know, maybe that's how you found me, Tony. We go back and forth with people on Twitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. So sometimes it's good about being at social media because we want people to talk. You know, people people from around the world can ask you questions and see what you're doing. Um, being connected to the social media world, that's where people are, especially our younger voters, you know, and they want to be able to, to be able to connect with you. And so social media is a very it's very critical. It's very a very important piece when running for office and making sure um, that you're able to talk to other people and really get your message out and, and, and really show people like, you know what, I'm office i'm actually i'm a human being you know like i'm human i have a little fun i laugh i have good friends um you know we just talk about the issues that are impacting us and i think that's how we get it out to other people with, with social media yeah and one of those issues that you brought up earlier that you've been involved in is education and i feel like i would be remiss and i regret it if i didn't bring up that president biden has uh proposed uh eliminating a certain amount of student loan debt and in addition to that, making some actually pretty impressive changes to uh, what people are going to owe in the future. Um, and something, it's more complicated than I can explain in the next minute. But, um, you know, you campaigned hard for him. You helped him win that 306th vote. 
Um, how important is that, and what do you think that's going to do for your party and for your candidates there in Nebraska? I mean, number one, um, I appreciate what President Biden. I mean, I I did I skimmed through the sheet today. I know it's like twenty thousand for Pell Grant, ten thousand for another for it was another it was ten thousand for um, private. I, I mean. What he's done, I mean, he, he campaigned on this. It was a hard decision. I mean, mm-hmm. you I mean, working in the Department of Education, I mean, this was an everyday thing. Like, the, the secretary couldn't even post a picture of saying, hey, schools reopened, the kids are excited, without somebody saying, and cancel student loan debt. <laughs> like, you would look at the comments, cancel mm-hmm. student loan debt. So it was a very hot topic. Um, I think what it's going to do is going to help, it's going to help people. Um, and I say this, black women hold the highest amount of dollars when it comes to student loans. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, we as a black woman, you know, we're now putting our kids through college and now we're putting now we're taking on more debt because we don't want our kids to have debt. Um, so we're putting on more debt with the Plan Plus loan. And now it's going to show that. We are it's going to show that the, the, it shows the president cares. They, mm-hmm. They've been listening. They just had to come up with the right formula. They had to come up. With the, I mean, they had to come up with the right formula. Um, this now, I think for the candidates, it's really going to help the candidates. I mean, the families are now getting some debt relief. I mean, just imagine somebody saying like they're sitting at home right now, looking at their student loans and said, Hey, 20,000 of this is about to come off. As long as they make under 125,000, I think it's 250 if you're married. Um, and the Republicans didn't do that. No, they didn't. They didn't, but they continue to give tax breaks to large corporations. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and it's like, why are we, we're, the, the middle class, working class are the people who are continuing to make the, um, I, I say all the time, make the world continue to go. Mm-hmm. And you're giving all these tax cuts. They didn't do that. And so I need to make, I hope we make sure that as we're telling that story, we scream that from the mountaintops of what we just did and what the Democratic Party, what President Biden just did. And the thing is, is that I, I say this, whenever these big things are happening, you don't see Republicans saying they don't want it. Mm-hmm. When it was given out, they, they not returning and saying we don't want this. They taking them benefits just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I need to remember that. <laughs> you know? Um, sometimes I, I kind of get a little slick. I say, well, did you return your stimulus check? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh. like, well, did you return it? No. Well, then, <laughs> you took the money, so you understand, you know, it helped you, too. So we want to make sure, and just like us with Democrats, we didn't return the stimulus when, when Donald Trump did that, you know? So we, we know what's going on to help us. We just got to make sure that we're talking about it more, making sure our candidates are screaming from the rooftops, mountaintops about this student loan, because it's going to help so many families, so many families. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I paid mine off, but I don't care. Like, I am I know people in my area who, if now they don't have as much debt, they can invest in buying a home and being a homeowner instead of a home renter and hopefully stay in our community. And that's the thing, too, Tony. I talk about that all the time in neighborhoods. Like, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we hold so much debt, but majority are renters. Like, just think of the parent, like, when these student loans were paused. Just imagine how many moms or dads or families were able to take a family vacation mm-hmm. that they've never been able to take because they weren't paying so much on student loans. Or they're able to fix their gutters because they've been wanting to do this and they didn't want to take out another loan, but now they have some extra money. And then, or they can pay off some of their credit card debt, and so they're not paying so much interest. Like those are the different things that that we look at and I look at personally, and the things that we can contribute back to the world into the into the into our economy. You know, we're those even though we weren't paying those student loans, 
we were still putting money back into the economy, but not only mm-hmm. were we putting money back to the economy, we were actually doing something for our families to give them safe and safe and healthy homes and also be able to take our kids on some type of vacation so they can enjoy things, especially after a pandemic. Yeah, and if you heard in the background, my kids are enjoying some Legos right now, so <laughs> yeah. we were able to buy. Um, and so with all that in mind, you know, you're able to do that because you're electing good people, and the podcast is called You Should Run. Um, you know, we're in, getting into fall 2022, but we're looking also at 2023 and beyond. With all that's happened in the world, good, bad, and indifferent, as a leader of a party in Nebraska, why would you be encouraging people to run for office? And in addition to that, because I always ask all the time, what kind of office do you think we need more people to run for? I'll tell you. So people, I, I talk about this a lot. Number one, the reason why I think people should run for office is because your voice matters. Mm-hmm. Your voice matters. You matter. You're, you're valuable. Um, what you bring to the table is valuable, and it can make change. When I look at offices running for, I always say we're looking at right now where people are trying to take over our legislatures as well as our school boards because mm-hmm. those are two things that impact us a lot. And the fact that we have people who want to bully kids and really want to do things to, I feel like you, you say you're not harming kids, but you're doing things based off of, um, and it can impact, so it, it can impact a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people run for city government. Those are issues. Running for those offices impact your, your community first, always. So make sure that you're run, making sure that you're looking at the offices that are up for, that are up to, um, to be seated. Um, talk to the person who's currently in that seat. Ask them questions. What what are you what do you see in change? What have you made? What changes have you made since you've been in this seat? Let them know. Put them on notice. If it's time for them to be out, I say put them on notice. There's gonna be hurt feelings, but the thing is is that constituents are the voters and they have the right to know who's in that seat and they have the right to vote in that seat. Just because you're in that seat does not mean that you're guaranteed to be there forever. Yeah, and, and so Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I've i heard from people who have been in office, especially a local office, who are glad someone else ran because they've only been running because no one else would. And like, finally, someone else, because I don't have the energy to do this anymore. But if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. Yeah, and, and it happens like that. I mean, I know when, when my city councilman had came, when it came up and it was so many people like, oh, you should run for the seat. And I literally said, is if he runs for a different seat. And because I feel he's he's done an awesome job. But then you had some other people who were independents who were like, nope, he needs to come out and I'm going to run. But then there's like, they, but it's funny because they came to me first. It's like, if you don't run, I'm running. I'm like, I'm not running, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, at that point, I mean, there is, you don't want to bring, especially when we have Dim on Dims, you didn't, I didn't want to bring any type of hostile, you know, environment because he's been doing a good job, you know? Um, I feel like if a person is doing a great job and doing the work and really doing it, just, just make sure that you're always being in, in contact with that with that elected official. But if that elected official is not doing what you feel is necessary in your community and, and not to your community, you have a right to do that. You know, you have a right anytime, actually, anytime you have a right to run for office. So, yeah, just do it. Yeah, I would actually, I mean, I'm, I like being in office, but I don't want to be forever. And I would like if someone was going mm-hmm. to run where I'd be like, all right, good. Someone else will be able to take over for me. And take the ball next. So that's something I think we want. And I think elected officials can start grooming um, and start uh, start a legacy plan. Start a start a transition. Like start like start grooming somebody. If you feel like there's somebody in the state party that you know in that district, like hey, you know, let me let me show you what we do here, what how this works, and maybe that'll get that person, you know, interested. Um, but definitely, you know, 
we got to start um, looking, especially with our youth and bringing them in and bringing the younger generation in and letting them know like, hey, you know, I can't do this forever, but this is what you can do if you want to run. And we just saw that in Florida this week where I think someone who was only 25 years old, um, Gen Z, the first person possibly of that age um, from that year running for office in Congress. And I think that's exciting because there are a lot of things that people in their 20s know that people in our 40s um, are not as in tutu. Yeah, and, 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 and I think we learned that in 18, um, and we learned that in, uh, in especially in 18, um, when we start to see our youth after so many shootings um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the youth started speaking up. I think it may have been 19 when we really saw it. And I, and I literally said, I'll never forget when I started seeing kids um, start to host, do protests mm-hmm. out of schools. Like, you know, we're speaking up. And I never forget, I said, y'all might want to make sure you're talking to those kids because in two years, those kids will be voting in either, they'll be voting in this midterm no, in 18, or they'll be voting in um, 2020. Yeah. And I kept saying that. I kept saying it. I'm like, y'all make sure. And sure enough, that's what happened. We have our younger generation who's been speaking up. They're very vocal. They're very strong-minded. My daughter's a part of that generation. And um, I feel like we still we still got to make sure because the, the, that, young, that younger generation is coming. Yeah. They're coming. And if you don't listen to them before they're voters, you may be listening to them when they're candidates. So... Yep. Very soon. With all that in mind, Precious, if people want to follow you, follow the Nebraska Democratic Party and maybe get involved, maybe run for office themselves, what's the best way they can follow you online and learn more? So I'm not a Twitter fan. Like, I mean, I'm a Twitter fan, but I don't do Twitter all the time. But definitely, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at Miss P. McKesson. Um, That's M-S-P-M-C-K-E-S-S-O-N. Also, you can follow the Nebraska Democratic Party. We are at um, Neb. I think we're at Neb Dems on um on twitter um we have a yeah at nebraska dems i'm sorry at nebraska dems um we definitely would love to have you follow us um we're doing some great things here in the state um we are really trying to make change and really um, change nebraska purple you always say that make it purple <laughs> so um definitely um you know follow us um, we have great candidates running um we're always doing something new today we just announced that we're changing our um our, our annual dinner was named after Morrison Exxon, which was named after two former Democratic um, governors. And today we announced that we're now naming it the Kerry Nelson Gala. So it's now named after Senator um, Bob Kerry and um, Senator Ben Nelson, who you say is the person that we thank him for the Affordable Care Act because he is truly, truly amazing mm-hmm. um, in that. And so definitely follow um, follow us as we you know, we've been getting great reviews. Um, you know, I was surprised to see if I sent the email this morning. I have so many compliments and we're glad. We're happy for the name change. And then we're honoring our Titans and honoring um, those who are still working in the party. But definitely um, follow me. Great. You'll get to know a lot about me. <laughs> yeah, I encourage everyone to follow Precious. Maybe you could be the next Precious in your state. It might take a few years to get to that point. But we, we need people like you in every state to uh, grow our parties and uh continue the progress in our country so thank you so much precious and if you're listening maybe you should run for office too thank you